Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. I travel across the pond to the UK. Okay, I was trying to do a British accent. That didn't work. I get to interview Sangeetha Palai, founder and creator of Soul Sutras, which is a feminist platform that is all about tackling taboos in South Asian culture and creating safe spaces where South Asian women can explore everything from sex, menopause, mental health, shame, you name it. Sangeetha has become a key voice in British South Asian feminism, speaking at the Women of the World, WOW, 2020. And she also has created the award-winning Masala podcast and the Masala Monologues series of workshops and theater shows. She has been featured in the Huff Post, BBC Asian Radio, Brown Girl Magazine, and is the winner of British Podcast Awards 2020 and 2019, Masala Podcast is actually now a Spotify original podcast. Very excited to see South Asian woman kicking ass in the space. We had a great conversation. I feel like she is my soul sister. Please enjoy my interview with Sangeetha Pillai. connected obviously i've been following you since and uh any south asian woman that's doing a podcast i feel like it's my feeling that we should all be bonding versus competing and i know that's really hard for south asian women to do but look we're all kind of we're all we all have a mission here and we should all support each other and so for me i'm like i'm always trying to collaborate with south asian women because i mean there isn't a ton of us no, absolutely. Doing this, you know? Very few um, of us. Very few. And I think there's a lot of younger South Asian women coming up. And I know for me, I'm a, I'm a little older. I have kids. And I just, I appreciate talking to other women that have gone through life a little more. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I do know what you're saying. First, I want to say congrats. I know you were... Masala Podcast uh, was the winner of the British Podcast Awards for 2020 and 2019. You are a Spotify original podcast. So huge, huge congrats. That's not <laughs> a small you. feat. That's amazing. And that just happened this past year, year and a half? Yeah. So um, I did the first season after winning a competition, a Spotify competition uh, for right. women of color podcasters. Uh, so as you know, I mean, there are far few of us. Uh, it's usually kind of white men talking about stuff that interests them on podcasts. Right. And Spotify were trying to change that with a competition called um, uh, Sound Up. So that exists in yeah, the US, in I've the UK. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple of other countries now as well, including India. Uh, so I pitched to that, got shortlisted. I think they had 750 people apply that year. Yeah. I was one of 10 that got shortlisted, went into this podcasting boot camp, as they called it, at the end of which we had to pitch to the head of Apple, Google, and BBC. You got five minutes, and they got five minutes to ask you questions. You had to pitch your podcast idea. So I was one of the winners. So that's kind of how it started, the whole Masala podcast journey. Got some money towards producing the first season, did the first season. Spotify right. heard it. They really liked it. And then they sponsored me for season two and season three. 
So that's, that's kind of amazing. That's I'm so well. I I'm not surprised why. I mean, the fact that all the topics you are tackling and which we'll talk about much needed conversations, right? And so I'm, I'm very I'm very happy it was yours that got picked. Um, we're obviously going to get into Soul Sutras, which is you know the the feminist platform for tackling taboos in South Asian culture. So we'll we'll talk about all that. Masala podcast and everything you guys are doing. I always like to start from the beginning a little bit. I'm sure you do too. I listened to yeah. your episode with Anushka Shankar. And you know, from what I've read about you and your, your childhood and growing up, you grew up in a slum, I think in Bombay, was it? Yeah. And you know, that's not a, a typical story I hear because I've I've started interviewing a lot of South Asians outside the U.S., of course, but mainly inside the U.S. So I have the the Indian American story kind of uh, being the center of my podcast, but slowly trying to hear the Indian story from all all places because everywhere it's a little bit different. The first question I have to ask is, do you recall any of this? How old were you when you were living there and how old were you when you kind of got out? Um, so I was born in Kerala. My family moved when I was a year old. Um, and I actually remember the slum. I mean, it was awful. Uh, there were no toilets inside. So you had to kind of queue up outside. And there was, when I say there was shit everywhere, there was shit everywhere. It was like that bad. Right. Um, and it was really, really hard. So it was like a tiny room. We were like, my youngest brother wasn't there then. So the two kids, mom and dad. Uh, so it was really, really hard. And I think I was about maybe six or seven or eight when we moved from there to a slightly bigger place. So that was like uh, a, what they call a one room kitchen those days in Mumbai. So there was like a room which was like your living room bedroom. And then there right. was a kitchen. And there was a, I think there was a shower, or ba- bathroom, what we call, but it's it's really like a bucket bath, really. You don't have a shower. Right. Uh, so that's kind of from there. And then we moved to like what was hugely luxurious for us which was like a a a one-bedroom flat which was like a living room a bedroom where my parents slept and my brothers and I slept in the kitchen or the live you know the living room which kind of turned into the bedroom so yeah I have uh, I come from a very poor family um, very traditional family uh, and a lot of my kind of early life was very much challenging that system Mm-hmm. So I was the first woman in my family to ever have a job. So that tells you kind of how traditional they were. What's and what's that story? How did you, how were you able to convince them, or did you? Not I convince just them? I didn't convince them. I just fought with okay. them. Like for like ten years, I was just staying at home. Uh, and in those days, women didn't leave. You couldn't say, right, I'm going to go off and get my own flat. It, it didn't work like that. You got married right. and you left. Or you say, so what about, what about house. for you? What about education for you? Were you allowed to go to school? Yeah, so that, that okay. was so all Indian families, like, and I think most Indian right. families value education a lot, as you know, it's like a big thing. Right. So I was sent to school like my brothers were. So there was no restriction there. Okay. And I was really good at what I did. So, you know, so they wanted me to continue. So I finished my, um, what we call college, what they call university in the, in the UK and the US, I think as well. Right. Uh, and by the time I, I got to sort of my late teens, early twenties, I was like, I do not want this life. This were life that they're telling me the life that includes being married to somebody, having children, uh, having a nice sensible job as a woman, which was usually a teacher or a doctor or something respectable. It didn't work for me. Right. So most of my kind of from the age of about 16 to when I left home, which was like late 20s I was fighting with them and that was kind of my life 
Were like, you a lot expected of to get married? Was it like, kind of, was the idea educate her yeah. college and then marry her off? Absolutely. So these uh, CVs started appearing in our house. I, and for, as I still don't understand what is a CV got to do with like somebody you marry? Like, you know, because it's not a that's job interview. Yeah, it is a job interview, <laughs> basically, for sure. Right? Like if they look it on paper, that's, that's all that matters. I can't so, imagine. I, I, I hope you kept some of them just, no, just for I the didn't. fun of it. No, I didn't. It's like Damn. long gone, you know, I, I yeah, wish I had yeah, yeah. like bloody whatever your name is you know <laughs> and, and, and the more cvs you get it's like the more likes you get right like, yeah exactly equivalent it's to like, like social media back yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. right totally <laughs> so yeah they did try but you know I, I think at the end they gave up because i was just saying sorry not happening not happening not happening and i just kept to my guns why do you think you had i mean you were obviously surrounded by the environment you grew up in that environment how did you have the conviction to be like F you guys, this is not what I'm doing. You know, I've thought about this a lot and I get asked this a lot and I, I don't know the exact answer. I just knew inside of me, I think I was just born this way. Like I was born right. um, having a point of view. I was born saying, you know, I don't agree with, yes, you're telling me this, but this doesn't suit me. And right. I had the courage somehow inside of me because nobody Something. else was saying the things I was saying at that point because we right. lived in a very traditional middle-class Indian neighborhood then, every other girl was getting married or seeing boys to get married to or whatever. Well, I'm sure you were seeing your friends getting married off. Yeah, and... absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But at, what, I, at what age is around? Like, or, like so late teens, early, early 20s? 20s? Early 20s. 21, 22. This was like prime marriage age. And then by 23, right. 24, you, 25, you had kids. Kids, right. Because that's kind of how the structure was. So I don't know where this drive comes from, but I've always had it inside me. I was just born like this. Yeah. As crazy as that sounds. No, I totally believe and agree with, with that. I know it's, it's just something that you weren't just meant, you weren't meant to take that path. Absolutely. You know, whatever, not. however spiritually you want it, whatever you want to call it. In fact, I now see the spiritual side of it. I didn't at that time. I think I was too young. Yeah. And now I can see my journey very, very clearly. Yeah. I was meant to be here to do this right now. And to do this, I had to do all of that. Those were the steps that led me to this point. Right. I mean, when, and it's only when you go through these many steps that you can actually look back and be like, oh, that yeah. makes sense. Like, yeah. that's why I'm here at this point. So I to totally get that. And, and let me know if there's something you, that is off topics to talk about, off topic to talk about. Um, I know you in your, in your, on your site, you had mentioned, um, your father. Uh, alcoholic father, um, and the fact that you couldn't, you felt like you couldn't help your mother. Yeah. What is your relationship to them now? If I don't know if they're around and if they are, have you ever actually talked to your parents about this? Um, so they've both passed away. My father okay. just died at the beginning of the first lockdown, March, 2020. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was in the U S actually, and I kind of flew back just as things kicked off with COVID. I tried a few times and my mother died in 2003. So uh, unfortunately that's, you know, it's quite ago. painful history, yeah. but you know, it's just how it is. Uh, I tried a few times to talk to my father once kind of, I had the ability to do that because when you're a child, you just don't, and you just kind of too busy surviving, I think, to have these conversations. But I think, you know, it, made me really sad when I spoke to him because he just denied everything and he said that well you imagined it or that happened to everybody that's just how it was that's what everybody did and I was like no that's actually not what everybody did but I think you know as 
if you believe in the spiritual path and you know, we all have a path and his was maybe that and maybe in another lifetime he learns more i don't know i think he right. just kind of was the same person until he died he was kind of quite bitter quite you right. know sad angry and i think that's how he channeled all of those emotions is drinking and his his violence i think i feel like my my friends that have gone through simil- similar experiences they always say like their fathers or their mothers or whoever it was that were, that was abusive you know they they also have this history in this past that we need to dissect and understand like your father obviously was coming from yeah. somewhere darker yeah. um that he wasn't able to maybe even understand himself yeah. and it's not like there was therapy sessions back then no or or the ability or acceptance to like look within yourself or mental yeah. health like, yeah. all that nothing was really no. available to Absolutely. our parents in that generation and so when i see uncles and aunties our parents age uh, and, and older i feel kind of bad for them in a way because yeah. they just they just dealt with what, with whatever Absolutely. they had internally right Absolutely and so i'm sure your father's story is something much deeper and i'm sure you've thought Absolutely. about that Absolutely i have yeah. i have have you been able to talk to like or understand more through his about his past and his history yeah so i mean not through him but i know through speaking to um a couple of his brothers and his relatives that he was kicked out of home when he was 14 he was told to go make a living uh and his parents were not particularly nice to him i think and maybe he never experienced love in that way so he was never able to give love maybe to his children is what i've understood this is my own you know composition of how his life was and why he was the way he was it's the only way right. i could make sense of it so my instinct is that he didn't develop you know it's like any the language of love and caring is learnt so if you've never experienced it you never learn how to give it right then you don't give it to your children so i think right. that's what happened and he was a very unhappy man extremely yeah. unhappy man and that can't have been nice so you know i've learned to kind of let it go now i do feel sad but you know it is it is what it is yeah it's interesting as we get older how much we learn about our parents and kind of understand different points of views on them and yeah. it's it's really eye opening how did all of this affect your brothers i know they're boys so it's different yeah but- so they've kind of been down a very different path so one of them's an engineer one of them's uh he's married he's got a two kids a boy and a girl he's got the whole indian uh package <laughs> package going on yes. he's an engineer he's got a couple of houses he's got a couple of cars checked it got, off the box yeah yep. married a nice indian girl uh, he's got a boy and a girl did he get a lot did they get a lot of cvs though that's the question oh i don't know how many cvs <laughs> i bet i got more cvs than he did i'm sure you did i'm sure you did <laughs> not that i'm competitive or anything <laughs> it's fine it's just so, a little just fyi yeah it's just you know a little bit throwing yeah. it in there Yeah. Um, so they funny enough they never rebelled. Like I was the rebellious one. I was the kind of fighter mm. in the family and they would tell me like why are you always fighting? And I wanted to say to them like because nobody's trying to bloody, you know, ma- marry no you off to some random me. guy who's right. just turned up outside your door, right? right. So you, there's nothing to fight for you. You've just got everything, you know. Yeah. So well, I think you're also you also talked about, you know, being shamed about, you know, sexual self your periods yeah. your body yeah. like it's coming from you at all angles so what else can you do but fight exactly 
Because if you don't, there's only one path, you know, you go down a certain path. And if that's not your path, you better fight. Was was the whole, and just kind of talking about that a little bit, the, the body shaming, the, you know, talking about women and sexuality and periods, was that just a typical Indian culture bullshit of not being able to talk about it, hiding from it? When you're on your period, you have to like kind of be in a corner the whole time, that kind of stuff. Oh, gosh, yeah, massively. And I'm sure it was the same in a lot of households, not just ours. Like I remember getting my period. Uh, I think I was about 12 or something. And my father was going to this like holy pilgrimage site in Kerala where they don't allow women because we apparently are impure when we're on right. our periods. Of right, of course, of course. You know. So of course. I was put in this kitchen. So I had to stay in the kitchen. I couldn't go anywhere near him. My food was given to me separately. I couldn't go anywhere near him, touch him, be in the same room as him. And this was my memory of, of suddenly, and I didn't understand what was happening to my body. I'm like, what is my body doing that's making me so, you know, so much of a pariah yeah. that I have to be I put mean, into a separate room? I mean, it's already messing you up and, and then they're putting you in a separate room. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is, not this, gonna, is, this is not healthy for anyone, guys. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a lot of this stuff, and again, I don't blame them because they're just reenacting the things they've learned, you know. And all of this conditioning around the female body being impure, periods being impure, that you have to control women somehow, otherwise they're just going to go off and destroy civilization or whatever it is. The fear is, I don't know what it is. But it's fear. It's, all, it's, it's fear. always exactly. fear. You have to cage. At the basis of it, it's fear. It's exactly that. Right. Um, so I think a lot of our kind of what we think of as our culture really is in our culture. Because if you go back a long way, I'm sure none of this existed. It's just somewhere along the line. Patriarchy I think the meaning has changed. Like the, I think the so. Men have changed the meaning of it because yeah, yeah. from what I understand, like I, the reason why women were supposed to not go to the Monday or not do this was mm. actually for rest, right? Yes, or for, exactly. So they didn't have to be in the kitchens working. It was yeah. supposed to be a positive thing. Yes, exactly. And it somehow got flipped into the shameful yeah. thing. Exactly. How and when, I don't know. Exactly. But I don't think initially the Indian culture was meant to be read that way. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Yeah. It's really infuriating because I hear I've, you know, throughout this podcast, I've I've done interviews with, with some organizations that are working on producing tampons and pads for women in need in India Hmm. and helping them understand what it is to have a period and like educating girls yeah. I think it's something like 70% of women in India don't know what their period is. Oh my God. Isn't until they get sad? it. Something like high, something yeah. like ridiculously high until they get it. Like wow. no one's talking about it there. And it just, yeah. it makes me so angry. Like Absolutely. this, this is too. still, I know it's changing slowly. It is, but still a lot long, more needs long to way, change. Long way to go. Yes. A lot more needs to change. Absolutely. For sure. I want to ask you something quickly about the UK because, you know, obviously I'm in the US and, and I'm, I've been telling the Indian American story. The UK, I, in India, you said you grew up, you know, in the slums, so um, lower economic class. Do you think that was the same for kids that had the money that, that were in the higher economic classes in, the, in India and also in the UK? Um, yes and no. For girls, I, I guess yeah. for girls, because this. The, the stuff we're talking about, all this kind of shame around our bodies and periods and all of these things, they are cultural. They're not to do with economics, I don't think. Okay. So you might have a really rich family, but if they believe some of these things that are passed down to them by their parents, they're going to pro- right. you know, carry on the same, perpetuate the same old belief systems. 
Um, and even in the UK, I mean, you know, I did an episode about periods with a uh, charity called Binti that does work in periods. So many girls in, in British Asian families are not allowed to go to the temple. They're not allowed to go to weddings when they're on their periods. They're kept in separate rooms. They have to eat separately. This still happens in 2021 in, in, in the UK. So I don't think it's to do with money. I don't think it's to do with geography. I just think it's to do with beliefs and cultures right. and patriarchal systems that have been passed down over generations. Right. And and then correct me if I'm wrong, and this is, again, it's just my feeling from, from stories and friends and what I hear from here, but it feels like, it seems to me that the, the Indian, the, the South Asian community in the UK is a lot more conservative than the US in terms of, of, of the South Asian men there. Is that right? Again, yes and no. You know, I don't want to generalize, but there are some systems that still stay here. For example, so if, say if your families come migrated from India to the UK in the 60s, right? Right. A lot of those families will hang on to what they think of as their culture. Right. Because they're trying to preserve it in a different right. country. So you're in a different country. So you want to hang on and hang on to your totally. values and your roots. Example, my own parents, like totally. Right. But in a lot of, uh, I speak to a lot of British Asian women. I work with a lot of them. And some of the value systems and ideas do not even exist in India anymore. You know, like yeah. they are that old. Right. Um, but it's it's a complicated thing with culture and identity because if they're, hanging on to these ideas as their culture, they don't want to let that go because where would that right. leave them? You know, like it's, it's quite a They don't belong anywhere thing. then. It's, where, yeah. it's like, where do you really belong? Where like, do you what really is belong? Your, what, where are exactly. your people? What is your, exactly. what is your, yeah. So maybe in the US, maybe it's kind of newer people who've moved in, like maybe it's first generation. It, right. Who've had the opportunities. Yeah. That maybe somebody in the 60s in India didn't have, but now India is, as you know, you know, that uh, has all sorts of opportunities for its people. So if you move, then you're in a slightly different, you're more educated, you have more access to things. Right. Uh, your value systems are different, I think. So yeah. in some senses, yes, what you say is true. I'm just, yeah, I just find it, and this is a whole other podcast episode, but I just, it's interesting to kind of understand and dissect the differences with South Asian, how South Asians deal with culture in the US mm. versus the UK versus India. I mean, I know there's tons of other places, Absolutely. but at least, at least those three, Absolutely. The, the, the big triangle right there, it's, um, it's interesting. It, it is super interesting. And I uh, did uh, a couple of workshops at the University of Berkeley in, yeah, in March. Yeah, I remember you were telling me. Yeah, how was that? Uh, it was absolutely fascinating. And I did an episode for Masala Podcast as well. I interviewed some of the young women from South Asian, of South Asian backgrounds right. who were, uh, studied at UCB. And what was fascinating to me is how much similarity there is. So here okay. are three different cultures, right? So I'm from India, but now live in the UK. And they're kind of young American women, American Indian uh, women. But the, the issues are exactly the same. The things that were coming up in the workshops are exactly the same. So there's sex, taboo, periods, taboo, body hair, taboo, shame, taboo. You know, like all the same things. I could be doing that workshop in the UK. To me, it, it didn't feel that different. The okay. accent sounded different. <laughs> yeah, but the things yeah. we were talking about were exactly the same. So I think the root culture is the same. So the belief systems are the same. So some of the conditioning we carry is exactly right. the same. 
Right, right. I guess you, and that's great to know because you know I'm I'm 40 now, so like for me, I assume that these women in college in the states, at least, that are you know 18, 22, 25, are maybe experiencing experiencing our culture a little differently than I did. But maybe it's, it's maybe it's not. Maybe it's still going to take another generation. I don't know. What was really heartening for me, um, speaking to the young women at at UC Berkeley was how much more vocal they were yeah, uh, and how much more confident they were that they needed things to change. Right. So I wasn't, I wouldn't say boo to a goose when I was 18 or 20. You know, I was just, I knew I needed to fight, but I couldn't really articulate or right. vocalize why it was so important to me. But sitting in those rooms, I did two workshops. I think we had about 15 people in the first one, about 16, 20 people in the second one. They were incredibly articulate, incredibly passionate and they'd done what I think has taken me 20 years to do, which is to say, I love these bits about my culture, but these things I don't like. So I'm going to take this from here and say no to this. Right. You know, and that takes a lot of evolving and learning and hearing and understanding, which they're already right. doing. Right. So I think there is a difference. Uh, and it's really heartening for me, I think, to, to hear that. I think it's great that they are able to voice their opinions and kind of be clear on what they want now. But I do think it's because of people like you, the older generation that has had to kind of fight it yeah. quietly in their own way. It's not like you had platforms out there like this, no, nothing. like your podcast or my podcast, or, you know, we didn't see people in the media like us. No, And so while it's we awesome. We were the freaks actually. <laughs> right. Right. Totally, like, what's wrong with totally. this one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. My parents were scared about, me till I got married and then there were, but anyways, that's a whole other thing. Um, but I feel like growing up, even though I wanted to voice my opinion on certain things, I didn't feel like there was enough support out there to do that. And I, I'm glad at least these women now have a lot more support, a lot more voices out there saying, Hey, it's not cool. This is not cool anymore. You know, I want to ask you another personal question after going through so much and what you've gone through, have you been able to go through therapy or yeah. is this podcaster therapy? <laughs> <Or both? laughs> a bit of both, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been so these last, was it three and a half years, four years, actually, since I started okay. this whole journey with Soul Sutras. I've done a lot of therapy myself. I yeah. read a lot, actually, more than the therapy itself. What's really helped me is reading and understanding kind of what happens when you grew up with abuse and violence, what your body does, what your brain does as kind of defense mechanisms. Right. Uh, I've come to realize that I've got PTSD, I've got severe anxiety, I've got depression. But I think it's been quite, rather than make me sad, it's actually made me really feel really good because I can finally yeah. say, this is the journey I've been on. That's the price I pay. But here are the things it's made me do because right. I don't think that having mental health issues is necessarily a bad thing. I actually think without the mental health journey that I've been on, I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing. Right. So it's been amazing, incredibly hard, but also incredibly fulfilling. Like it's and, kind of and probably freeing as well. And hugely. So it's almost like I've been broken up into little pieces and put back together in a different way. That's what it feels like. 
That's well, look at the end of the day, I think that should be every human being's goal. Look, I think everyone has mental, a mental health journey. If you're a human, you have yeah, it. Exactly. I think, I think it just depends on how you want to face it. And the fact that you were able to break it down and understand it, then all the fear is gone. Then you just kind of get it. And then you're able, the only way to, to, kind of move forward uh, and and grow as a person is to break that down. Absolutely. And be like, oh, I get it now. And so, yeah, I'm a, I haven't done it yet. Huge component of, I mean, like therapy, I think everyone, if you can afford it, do it. I really think so as well. Every yeah. single one of us. There is not one person on this planet who couldn't benefit, I think. No one. Yeah. I, I, I like, like we said, mental health journey is just a human thing. Absolutely. You know, it's just there. And then is there anything about when you were a kid, about being shamed, about wh whatever it, w it was that you still maybe haven't gotten over or you still hang on to? Or do you think you're kind of at peace with everything? I don't think I'm at peace. And again, I don't think that ever happens. I don't think anything in life is that clear cut where you're like, okay, right. you've done that now. Everything's over. Happily after, after everybody goes home. I don't think that ever happens. I think it's a... Uh, it's a journey, it's a learning, it's a letting go. Right. So I know that despite all the work I've done, there are some things, you know, there is a perfectionist in me sometimes that, you know, and that comes from my childhood. There's, um, there was, you know, some things that I carry through it and it'll be my mom's voice or my dad's voice in my head that's saying something. And then I've got to say, oh, hang on a minute, where's that coming from? Why do we think this? And it's like, actually, right. we don't think this because this other thing happened, you know. And it's it's that constant learning. It's constant, right. And I've also kind of got to a point where I'm like, I've made certain life choices. Uh, and while they are absolutely, you know, spot on for me, there is a price to pay. You know, like everything in life, there is a price. Everything whatever in the, life, right. Whatever, whatever your, choice you make. Whatever yeah. choice you make. So... So they're all kind of, you know, their journeys and they're ongoing. And I right. suspect they will be ongoing for the rest of our lives. I, I think, like you said, the book is never closed. It's just constantly changing. And I'm going to, this is a very simplified way of saying this. Uh, and I know it's a lot more complicated. Do you think that Soul Sutras, the Masala podcast, everything you're doing right now is a response to your father? I think it's a response to the life um, that I was born into. Okay. Um, so my father was one component, but the bigger battle has been that kind of patriarchal structure that I was put into where women only had certain roles. You could only say certain things. You could only be a certain way. You couldn't walk this way. You couldn't talk that way. Your hair had to be, you know, it was very, very yep. strict. Right. So I think all the work I do is a rebellion against that. So I think I'm still doing what I've always done. When I, I was doing this when I was 15 and I'm doing this now, I'm 49, you know, probably be doing this and, when I'm... But now you just have a bigger mic. Now you just have a bigger mic. It's okay. A bigger That's mic okay. and a louder voice. <laughs> some, some, some extra help with, with some companies. It's fine. It's <laughs> a li little something. Yeah, yeah. slightly, slightly. Uh, that's fantastic. So I know Soul Sutra started off, I, I believe, as a blog. You started yeah, as a blog. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I so where, where were you, when you started this blog, where were you personally in life and then why start it? So I think um, 
I was working in advertising. So I've had like a big okay. advertising career, 25 years in okay. India, Singapore and the UK. And I was getting to that stage where I was a little bit kind of not entirely fulfilled. It was a nice job, good money, etc. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm doing with my life. And the blog just started as a way for me to voice some of the stuff that I was feeling right. and carrying. Uh, and towards the end of that, I had a breakdown. Um, I got to a point where I think I just hadn't addressed a lot of the stuff that had happened in my life. And my brain and body just went like, right, this is when you're dealing with this. And I'm right. like, oh my God, Your body what will is tell happening? You. <laughs> Your body will be like, no, stop. <laughs> Not stop. And yep. I had to literally stop. Um, yeah. what I was doing and I was I think in bed for a couple of weeks and I just couldn't function I was in a really dark place yeah so when I came out of that dark place I was like okay what am I doing what's my life about and then I thought it's not about advertising I don't need to sell more things to people that they don't need uh, what is my life about and it was very clear to me that this my life had always been about this and this is what I was going to do. So I just yeah. instinctively without, there was no sitting down and thinking and planning or anything. Right. I just started these workshops um, for South Asian women. I did, I think, 20 of them in that first year uh, where I'd get them together, get them to, to talk about some of their experiences, put it down on paper, which then organically led to this theater show. There were two theater shows that I did. Took yep. their stories, got a director on board, a producer on board. I wrote it, rewrote it. Was that the um, Masala monologues? Monologues, yeah, that okay. was it. And we did two yeah. really cool shows with that. And so that's kind of how it started. Very organic, without really a plan. I never had a plan. Got it. I love that. That's exactly how I am. And then evolved into the podcast eventually. And how did that evolution happen? So after I did the two shows, I mean, the responses were phenomenal. Like I, the first show, I think we had about a hundred odd people turn up. All these women that I didn't know were coming up to me and hugging me and saying, oh my God, you know, you're telling our stories. This is so powerful. Can we, when are you doing this again? And just the sheer amount of um, energy and response that I had yeah. made me think that I should take this to a bigger medium somehow, like a theater while the shows were great. There were only so many people I could reach at a time. Uh, and I was kind of weighing different points of view. And I started thinking about podcasts, but right. I knew nothing about podcasting. I'm like, not from the industry, didn't understand, right. you know, you know, this feeling, right. didn't know anything about it. Uh, and I kind of started to toy with it as an idea. And that's when the um, Spotify competition kind of popped up. Literally, okay. I think the day before it was supposed to close, somebody sent it to me as a link. So have you seen this? this is quite interesting. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll apply. And I yeah. just made it up kind of on the spot, uh, yeah. sent the application. And that's kind of how I started. So for me, the podcast was to be able to reach a far bigger number of South Asian women that needed to hear this, that needed to hear our stories, that needed to feel kind of validated in their own journey. Like they belong somewhere, like, right? Exactly, like they belong somewhere. Right? I, I love the whole uh, talking about everything, including nipple hair. Like, <laughs> just the, stuff we don't, stuff no one's going to ever no. mention or talk exactly. about, right? Exactly. Is there any, and, and I'll give you, if you need a minute to think about, but is there, I'm sure you've heard from a lot of South Asian women about how this has helped them or changed their lives. Is there uh, a particular story that resonates with you? I'm sure there's Gosh, a ton. so many. I almost get messages and emails every single day, like 
almost every single day, which is amazing. And that's amazing to me that it's what powers me up and keeps me excited and keeps yeah. me going, you know, uh, last week on Sunday, I think I got an email from somebody, um, saying that they, they listen to the podcast every morning. They said they're like, because it just gets me into that headspace. And this person that right. wrote to me, they said they were queer um, they were single, uh, they were raising a child on their own, um, they lived in the UK. And they were saying that just listening to you feels like I've got somebody on my side and I've got a friend that I can actually talk to. She says, yeah, you don't know I exist, but this is kind of what I do. Which was really touched me. Um, a yeah. couple of days before that, I got an email uh, from someone in India who was 16 years old. And she said, I'm so-and-so, I'm 16 years old, I live in India. I happen to hear your podcast and you make me feel less alone, Aww. which was just, you know. Which so is like the whole mission of this podcast, exactly, right? And exactly. and podcasting in general, like it's you want to be able to make it personal, like yes. connect with these people personally. Yes. And that's the beauty of podcasting. And exactly. if you can do that, you've accomplished what podcasting is about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. How, are you going to... Are you? Pl- I know, obviously, pandemic. But are you planning on holding like gatherings for all your listeners or any anything like that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the last season, season three, the the final episode was a live podcast. Uh, the London Podcast Festival yes. invited me to do a live. I saw that. And, That's awesome. Uh, we did the. I don't know if you saw the marriage proposal. Did yes. You, did you hear about yes. that? Yeah. So I saw that, that was yeah. phenomenal. So how did that uh, happen? So oh my god, it were was they amazing. Of yours or was it random? So Raga was already on the podcast. So I'd interviewed Raga, and she talked about her journey of coming out as queer at fifty, right? Uh, being married and had a couple of kids, and then while we were talking, I was inviting her to be a guest on the live. So I've done one live before, so I have some of the guests from the podcast at the live, right? And she said, "How do you feel if I propose to my partner on your show?" And I'm like. I'd be delighted. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was amazing. And obviously it was really nerve wracking because nobody knew this was happening. The yeah. partner didn't know. Their kids didn't know. They were in the audience. And we had this kind of signal that I'd arranged. When I'd say a particular phrase, the, the tech people would turn the lights off. And then Raga would propose, you know, and that, there was this whole kind of drama we'd created around it. So it was, it went phenomenally well. We're so Indian. Well. We have to have a little bit of drama. Yeah, of course. And we had this, oh, you know, this music a as well. Masala. Yeah. yeah. With the shadi music playing and everything. <laughs> and, you know, it's really good fun. That's uh, awesome. So I'm hoping to do more lives as kind of, you know, we open up and we kind of go out into the world because the energy of, of an actual live event is, as you know, it's be it. unbeatable. Yeah. Exactly. Right, I'm trying to work on my first one here. So, yeah, good uh, luck. Good luck. What are, what are your followers called? Masalians? What can we call them? <laughs> I call them <laughs> yeah. bad, bad beties. Bad beties. Yes. Yeah, that's even bad better. Bad beties. I, you got to have like some kind of, some kind of follow, like the followers have to have a crew, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course I checked out the podcast. I was listening to um, the Anushka Shankar one, Shobade. So quick question. A, so you have, cause you have, it's, it's, I love how you're doing guests with themes, right? So do you pick the themes first and then choose the guests? Like, how does that work? It's uh, and quite an organic process. Again, I kind of look for people that I think are interesting and authentic. And it doesn't right. matter if they are famous or if they're not. It's not about that. It's about... Totally, totally. You know, who, well, on who are these note, people? I found my most popular episodes to be with not famous people. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's all about, a, it's all about the, a good... Uh, well, obviously a good person, but yeah. a good story. 
a good story, and an authentic story. I authentic think. story, a real story. Anyways, continue. So yeah, so I kind of just look around and I kind of make short lists of people. Then I'll kind of talk to them, see what the vibe is, because you know they've got to connect with you and you've got to connect with them. Right. Um, so it's a very organic process, and but each episode is is a theme, so it has to be a theme. Yeah. So I'll try and kind of arrive at it with the person that I'm speaking to. Okay. And so yeah, it. I, you know, I don't think about it. It just kind of happens, I think, in my head as I speak to them. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's been nice recently because people are now approaching me, which is lovely. Like Anushka's Isn't agent that nice? approached me, which is lovely. Um, so that's great. Yeah. I mean, I love you. You talked about who owns a woman's body, older women, uh, yeah. why they're less valued, the Kama Sutra. I need to hear that one yeah. coming out as queer. So, yeah. I mean, you are tackling a variety of of topics some of uh, some topics that i you know in the us that we talk about quite a bit nowadays is, is suicide and so just kind of wondering future episodes do you have plans right now for the future episodes or um, i again haven't so i'm in the process of starting to think about season 4 how okay. i really sat down and thought about it yet properly okay but again there's i'm not attached to a theme or an idea. Right. I kind of let it organically happen. I would love to talk about suicide because again, yeah. because if there's something we don't talk about as a culture, I'm going to talk about it. Like that's the, yes, that's kind of my thing. No, for sure. Personally, my own personal story, obviously I haven't gone through a lot of what, what these women have gone through, but we, I went through a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, and even that, you know, I, that. I learned, I learned yeah. through that experience Wow, why aren't we talking about this? And I decided I I was ready to talk about it a little a couple months later. And once I opened up, Sangeeta, like I feel like maybe out of the ten girlfriends I told, six had miscarriages. Oh my god! And I'm like, why isn't this? Why? Like, why are we not talking about this? I more? don't know. And I and now in my podcast, I mention it all the time because I'm like, good, that was good. like for me, kind of a big aha moment where I'm like, yeah. wow, like, what am I hiding from? Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. that wasn't my fault. Yeah. And that's something that happens to, I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but quite if a, it's like six a lot out of, of 10. Of it was friends, a lot. It was, it was shockingly a lot. Yeah. Um, and so that's why when I, when I saw your podcast and heard about it, I'm like, it's just so important because Indian women, especially South Asian women, especially just, yeah. Are, we're just kind of, I don't know if, if we're trained. I don't know what the word is, but to, to be silent yeah. and just kind of deal. And so glad you're speaking up, my sister. So <laughs> any any current projects you want to talk about or, you know, upcoming projects? Yeah. So obviously still planning season four. Um, I've also launched a crowdfunded book called Masala okay. Monologues. Um with Unbound. And that's all about kind of stories from South Asian women like you know, comedians and their right. kind of writers. And so they talk about a taboo topic from their life. So that's something I'm kind of just launched as a, as a, as a project. Um, also working on another book, uh, which is kind of a more personal kind of story. What else? Amazing. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a few pretty things. much. That's, you might be kind of busy. Things in the oven, you know. Just, no just big deal. Cooking away. <laughs> Couple books, fine. <laughs> I'm going to ask you my cheesy podcast question. What's that? It's probably going to be hard for you to summarize. Where do you see this going? What, what's kind of your ultimate goal with this? 
I'd love for every South Asian woman on this planet to either listen to Masala podcast or something like it. It doesn't have to right. be my podcast where she can hear that these things that, you know, that feel difficult, that feel impossible, that, that she's been told never to talk about, never to question. That feels shameful. That, that feels feel, shameful. Right. Right. Uh, that she's able to hear that it's not, it actually happens to all of us and it's okay. And we don't need to carry the shame that we've carried for God knows how many generations anymore. Right. So that's right. what I hope. That shame is generational. I think it, it, it does get passed is. down. It, it definitely gets passed down. Absolutely. And I, and I think also you don't have to take a certain path. There is no right and wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. there's no right way of doing it anymore. Exactly. It's just go with your gut. What would you want to be known for? At the end of life, what would you uh, like? Yeah. 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 So what when is I was, it that people should know about Sangeeta? I think I would love people to know that Sangeeta kept fighting all her bloody life. <laughs> and she went out fighting. And that, even more importantly, actually, that's that's a personal thing, but that she created a space for South Asian women to feel safe, to feel heard, to feel like we were there for each other. Right. That's what I would like. If I could leave that behind, I'd die a very happy woman. Very awesome. And and also I would like to add, uh, Sangeeta went down fighting, but it seems like you're fighting also with a smile on your face. So. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very, very important, right? So yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think when you think of fighting and the, people assume you're angry, and no. I don't think that's the case. That's not the case at all. In fact, fighting is a joy. You know, it's a joy to sort of challenge right. these things and say, it's a good, it's a good stress on. reliever. Yeah. And say, come on, these things are ridiculous. Why are we still doing this shit? Come on. You know, yes, well, surely we sure. can do better than I'm this. I'm going to ask you something off the record. I'll, yeah. we'll, we'll pause this. Um, or I can keep it on and I can cut it yeah. off, whatever. Would you, I don't know, are you married? I'm not married. I, well, I was. I'm divorced. You were. Okay. I was just about to ask, would you ever, what does marriage look like for you? Like in your mind, what does it mean to you now? I mean, it means um, marriage or a commitment of, of some sort. It just means, and to me, a relationship of equals. Yeah. It means that you can be the person you are in that that you're not having to subscribe to some idea of, of what a wife is or a partner is or a woman is supposed to do. Right. Um, so I think for me, it'd be very important to kind of be this person, this feminist, this fighting feminist person that I am now uh, right. and have that heard and have that validated. So to me, I think it's a meeting of minds. I think more than anything else, yeah. it's a space to kind yep. of, be with somebody who can see you as you are, respect you and love you as you are. And then and letting them be, letting, letting the other be. person be or not getting, Absolutely. I, I, I'm just curious just cause like, I, I feel like a lot of South Asian women, I think you change naturally when you get married a little, yeah. you have to, you're living, you're living and breathing with yeah. someone else. Yeah. But I do think a lot of South Asian women have this, stress of changing too much yes, or, or bending over backwards too much. Yes. And yes. Yes. Uh, I think I did that at first mm. even. And I've learned over the years. And, and by the way, I did it without anyone telling me to. It's not like my, it's not, my husband's not, but, not like that. But it's just, you, for, you forget, you've carried this in your DNA. DNA. 
okay. It was carried you know? in my DNA. It was carried. Honestly, Sangeeta, I look back, I still have PTSD from Bollywood movies because I feel like I was watching the 80s and 90s Bollywood mm. movies. All this stuff really affected the way I thought my role should be. Even though I was growing up in the States and it was more liberal here, all that stuff. Mm. And I felt like I felt into this weird wife role without anyone – I mean, without my husband yeah. even wanting it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then I snapped out of it. I'm like, wait, what am I doing exactly? Yeah. <laughs> even he was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And so it's just it's it's interesting what I feel like is so ingrained in us, like you said, yeah. in our DNA. And so just yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. It so. really is. And and I'm sure we all do it to some degree, you know, like I don't know if you do it. If someone comes over, I'm like, oh, let me make you some tea. Let me make you some this. You know, it's it's kind of what we do. You know, we've seen our mothers do it and their mothers. And we think it's what we have to do as women, you know. Right. Some of these things are so conditioned. Um, so conditioned. Within us, you know. I know. We're changing it. We're One changing podcast it. at a time. One <laughs> yeah, podcast babe. at a time. <laughs> Man, what a badass and what a story. What a great conversation. What a day. Okay, I'm done. You guys, please follow her at soulsutras.co.uk. I feel like she's going to be doing some really cool things. And wait a minute. I'm going to London at the end of the year. Maybe she'll hang out with me. Maybe. I hope. As always, you can follow me at tuckeredoutpodcast, tuckeredoutwithummy.com. And yeah, guys, we have like, what, three more episodes till we hit 75? Should I throw a party? Would you guys come? Is anyone listening? Thank you guys for your support. Love ya. This is Tuckered Out. Out.